Hey everyone, welcome back to the Film Fund Podcast. I'm your host, founder, and executive producer at the Film Fund, Thomas Verity. I'm also an award-winning filmmaker, producer, and film festival judge. I started the Film Fund to give filmmakers an easier, alternative way to get their film funded. Instead of working on a screenplay, crowdfunding campaign, or grant application, you write one sentence pitching your film for a chance to receive up to $10,000 and other prizes to make it. Our winter narrative and documentary funding contests are now open, so don't forget to submit your pitch. Check us out at thefilmfund.co to enter your one-sentence pitch for a chance to receive up to $10,000 to make your film. And we want to remind listeners that contests do happen regularly, so if you're listening at a later date, check the website at thefilmfund.co for the most up-to-date information. Today we have Emma Hames, a filmmaker, musician, tech adventurer. We're going to talk about lots of interesting stuff today. Emma, thank you so much for coming. Uh, Could you give a brief intro about who you are and what you do? Yeah, sure. Thank you very much, Tom. Um, So I'm Emma. I, uh, in my previous life, I was a teacher, Um, but I've always had a love for creative work. That's why I love most as a a student and as a a kid and teenager. And I decided that I just, I didn't want to live with any regrets in life. And so I'm pursuing those passions right now. Um, I've been in bands playing music for about 10, 15 years now, and uh, I want to now bring in my passion for film within that. Um, and yeah, I'm currently working on a documentary film which explores my own journey with with healing from a, a prescription medicine injury that kind of wiped me out of 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 life for about five years, and wow. I'm coming out of it. But I thought that was the perfect opportunity to to really tell a story in in film documentary film form. Um, that combines my passion for music as well. So I'm working on the on the film, but also writing the soundtrack, writing the music for the film as part of the film itself. Um, and within that, using NFT integration and blockchain integration and, and aiming to be one of the first documentary films that really combines this, what I think is a very exciting new industry that I believe will help a lot of creatives in, in many different industries. 100% agree. Um, and that's, that's so cool. You know, you're taking something you're very passionate about, something that had a profound impact on your life even though it was detrimental <laughs> um and you're ex- exploring it and and really channeling it into a story uh, to share with the world what um i'm just gonna go joe rogan what was the prescription if you don't mind me asking go for joe rogan i'm absolutely fine with that um the prescription medicine was uh, the sort of generic name is uh, bromazepam um i was prescribed it in france and the common name over there is is lexomil just in case there's anyone <laughs> listening to that and, and wondering if, if what they're taking is the same one um, and yeah unfortunately it's it's a very dangerous drug that's a class uh, it's a specific type of benzodiazepines which obviously is a, a class of drugs um, I say obviously I I wasn't aware how dangerous mm. they were when I was on them um, I thought I was quite streetwise with these things and quite sort of aware of the dangers of many different aspects of of mm. life and um, I had absolutely zero idea just how dangerous um, they were, but yeah, it was a benzodiazepine. Gotcha. Um, so obviously, I mean, my, my I have a little outline here of questions I wanted to ask. I was going to ask, where do you draw inspiration from for your work? But obviously, you <laughs> got into that with the the story about the medication. Um, and so you didn't go to film school, right? You're just this is your first kind of venture into filmmaking, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of funny because um, when I was a teenager, I applied for about five or six different degrees. And one of them, I think one of them was fine art. 
one of them was media arts, one of them was documentary filmmaking at different um, universities in, in the UK. And I remember going to the documentary film one and having the interview and I just felt that it was really stuffy and very sort of, um, I don't know, like a, a very exclusive community that I, I felt I didn't necessarily fit into. And I remember the interviewer asking me, you know, what, what documentary films inspire you? But then, and that's a very normal question, but he went deeper than that. And, and I didn't know some of the answers and I sort of felt that I wouldn't be welcome into the community. So I felt it was actually quite, quite snobbish mm -hmm. at that age and it, it put me off. And um, I then went to study media arts um, and on my first day, just had a similar experience. I walked into the building, I met some of the lecturers and I just thought this isn't, this isn't what I want for the next three years of my life. So I actually quit on my oh, well. first day. Um, and I went back to my, my dorm room at, at university and I just looked at the, um, I don't know if it's the same in the States, but we have a, a thing called clearing where other courses with spaces still available, um, then show up on a website and you can see what other courses okay. might still have places. So I went onto that system and I saw there was a, a degree called environmental science and I thought, that sounds interesting. That's going to test me, but also it's maybe a way into documentary filmmaking through a scientific huh. channel, because that's ultimately what I wanted to do. I wanted to make films about people and planet and, and be part of stories that were really meaningful. And I thought if I, if I got myself a background from the scientific aspect and then went and got training in media and film, that maybe that was a different route into mm -hmm. this, into this industry. Um, so yeah, I didn't study film directly. And then unfortunately the big recession happened the year that I graduated and, and kind of that plan unfortunately had to be put on the gotcha. back burner. So that's yeah. super interesting. I mean, I always love people who take indirect paths to get where they are. I mean, I kind of did the same thing. I didn't major in film. I'm not, I didn't go to film school. I made the decision recently that I'm not going to go to film school. And, you know, I studied English. I studied business. Um, I did do a film minor once they finally had it, but I just think it's it's interesting because you're when you're studying something that's not directly like film, you're learning about the world in other aspects of it, and you're able to translate that into film. So, you know, you're getting kind of a worldly education. Uh, whereas I think studying film sometimes could be a little narrow, like oh, you're going to watch these historic films. You're not you're not learning about life um, in a way. So I think I think it's yeah. super cool. Uh, so you do filmmaking and music full time now. Yeah, um, in, in a roundabout way, um, I feel it's still at the, the, the stage where it's considered okay. a startup. So right now we're trying to acquire the funding so that we can build the team and obviously have the resources needed to, to take this off the ground. Um, yeah, but I'm, I'm focusing all my time on that. It's, it's been a journey because, as I say, before I was working mm -hmm. full time as a teacher, which was a career path that I took so that I'd have the time to then work on my passion product, uh, projects. So when I was doing that, I was running a, a TV project, um, a web TV project when I was uh, living abroad and working as a teacher. And then with the illness, almost overnight, I lost the ability to work. And um, it's been five years of mostly being housebound, wow. being very isolated and kind of having to relearn how to do the most basic of tasks. There were times when I was struggling to mm -hmm. open a can. I spent a lot of the time bed bound and, and so it's it's been a process for me of of trying to actually figure out how to be productive again and and how to work in some capacity and um that's one of the reasons why I'm working on my own projects and kind of just just going for this now is it's a chance for me 
to come back to life in a professional context, but in a way that's not going to be damaging to my health. Because obviously I get to kind of call the shots on when I work mm -hmm. and how I work. And I'm sure that, that had impact on your music as well, right? Huge impact, yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was quite hard to do anything for, I think the first two or three years, it really just was a, a question of sort of surviving every day and <clears throat> just, just getting through the day and... Um, when I then started to feel sort of waves of, of healing and getting better, I, I started doing a bit more music and creativity. And then the idea for the film was born and I just sort of started writing notes on that. And I, I started songwriting again about a year and a half ago. And then that song, and I was doing it mostly from bed and I sort of managed to get to a recording studio, took my yoga mat with me and just <laughs> at one point just had to go and lie down in the, in the driveway wow. of the recording studio to, to, mm -hmm. to make the song. Um, but that song then landed a record deal. And, and from there, just I think that helped boost my confidence with my ability to actually mm -hmm. make things while still healing. And I think that's something we we all as as creatives and creators of projects can sometimes get sort of hung up on is oh, I don't want to start this until I feel perfect, until I feel like this is going to be the best thing I've ever done. And I think that can hold us back from just 100 percent. I mean, that's doing something part of the reason the film fund has a one sentence pitch format. Um, you know, it's kind of like the, we, I mean, you're going to submit a project at any stage. If you already have a screenplay, if you already have a whole, you know, budget outlined um, and you're ready to shoot, you can submit it. That's great. But also a lot of people submit where they just come up with one idea and they want to test an idea and they're not ready yet. They don't have anything yet. There's like, I want to experiment with this. It's kind of the, the MVP minimum viable product method from entrepreneurship in a way. It's like, let's, let's test out, this idea and see if it's viable before we spend time and resources on actually developing a script. So um, I think throwing your head into things when you're not necessarily ready um, or they're not perfect. I mean, you have to start because otherwise you're just afraid of getting started and you're never going to do anything. Um, that's how the film fund started too. Like I was not ready at all. I started as a college project um, for an entrepreneurship course I was in. I had a friend of mine make the website. I didn't know anything about film funding or producing at that time i just kind of did it and first version of the website I'm, i've been looking for a screenshot of it because it was so terrible i just i just want to show like how far it's come um but you just have to get started you know regardless of what your experience is or how, how yeah. confident you are in the project you just need to start uh it's so important It's so true and i think that's that's something that i think people should feel comfortable and, and proud of doing like like you were saying keeping that screenshot of of where you were and i remember seeing an instagram post sort of when i was still really in the depths of hell with with all of the recovery and i think it just said something like um be bad or be really bad be bad be good be excellent mm -hmm. and there is no shortcut unless you're one of the 0.001% of people that that's Mozart and, bought, and born supremely talented. But even then you can have all the technical skills, but you don't bring with it the wisdom and the or hopeful wisdom and the, the experience that you get and the satisfaction that I think you get from having sort of grinded your way and failed forward. I, I do think as much of a, a cheesy statement as that is, I, I think there's a lot of um, sense and, and uh, magnitude behind that. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, you have to fail. From what I think it was, uh, who, Edison had, I forget the exact number of experiments, but he had so many, he had like hundreds of failed experiments that he did um, to get to where, you know, the one or two or however many succeeded. Um, 
yeah, you have to fell forward. That's a great um, way to put it. So talk to me about um, NFTs. I know we had a conversation in the past recently about NFTs. How did you get interested in that? Yeah, um, creating. It's a whole whole new world, isn't it? And I um, I got into it sort of indirectly through a friend that introduced me to cryptocurrency. And I think at that point, um, I've been aware of it, but not really in it, I suppose. And I just kind of fell in love with the whole industry. I think it's a very exciting industry. I love the idea of decentralized anything, um, but especially when it comes to finance, personal finance, and what that means for the creative industries. And I think that's where NFTs take that to a new level, um, both in terms of creatives being able to fund their own work, being able to fund their own careers, being able to reach their audiences, their fans, their clients in a, in a much more direct, innovative way, but also being able to build community around the creative products and projects that, that we're all creating. Um, so I got into NFTs sort of mid-2021 and just started collecting myself actually and, and learning about it that way and found it very exciting, found it very interesting. There's obviously a lot of scams. There's a lot of dark aspects to it, like it, like everything like we have with the internet that we all rely upon these days. And I honestly think it's, it is the, the future, so to speak. I, I think this is similar to when the internet was being talked about and being developed and people were skeptical and people thought it was just going to be for a few gamers and it was a bubble that was going to mm. die out. My personal feeling is that this is something that we are all going to use at some point in the future in some capacity, whether that's having housing contracts written and, and integrated into with blockchain technology, um, whether that's music contracts, whether it's art collecting. I just think the scale and scope of what NFTs can do for individuals and businesses is is huge. And we're just sort of scraping the surface of the possibilities with that. So I, as a creator, as a filmmaker, as a musician, as an artist, knew that that was something that I wanted to explore in a professional way. And, and so that's why there's a there's an NFT alignment with the film as mm -hmm. well. And for those of you who are listening who have no idea what an NFT is, you can go to blog.thefilmfund.co and look at some of our recent posts there, writing all about NFTs and cryptocurrency and Web3. It's very exciting. Um, I'm going to try to explain it really quickly now. I'm going to butcher it, but an NFT stands for non-fungible token. And it's basically a digital, unique uh, file that cannot be exchanged for another one. It's not like a dollar bill uh, that can be exchanged for another identical dollar bill. Um, it's a unique token. Um, and it's verified as being unique on the blockchain. Um, so it's that's why it's non-fungible. It's non, you can't exchange it for something. It's something unique. So when we talk about films or art, you, you yeah, people say, oh, you can take a screenshot. Well, that screenshot isn't the actual file that has been verified. It's like the, the Mona Lisa versus a print of the Mona Lisa. Um, that's the example I always give. And Emma is a, seems a little bit more well-versed in NFTs than I am. That's my like quick Googling what is an NFT definition. Emma, do you have any more explanation as to what it is and how it could relate to film? I mean, I thought that was a great explanation. I was thinking for the Mona Lisa example, as you were saying it. So yeah, I, I think I think sometimes uh, short to the point explanations uh, do, do the job. Um, I think in terms of what it means for the, the film industry and films, I think that's kind of a a TBC part of it, you know, I think it's something we're going to see with innovation and and how things develop, how blockchain technology itself develops, the platforms that we're going to see springing up. Um, 
for for my own project and for for what I've seen from other filmmakers um, who are also sort of aligning with this is there's a lot of ways in which the film itself can be integrated with NFTs. Uh, for example, you can take scenes from the film and turn them into NFTs and people can then buy those NFTs, mm -hmm. uh, which I think is really exciting. Um, I think in terms of fundraising for a film, you can offer NFTs as part of those rewards, um, whether it's you know stills from, from um, backstage and behind the scenes photographs that can then be turned into NFTs characters from the films um i think there's huge potential for the way that gaming nfts can be used in augmented and virtual realities and i think that also then obviously translates into film and um that's what we're hoping to do with with this production is actually be one of the first documentary films that integrates nfts in a sort of augmented reality kind of way as well which is obviously very exciting for the holders because if you're then holding an nft and let's say it's a character of something you technically own that character mm -hmm. and so you can you can then see your character come to life in a film and if you've invested in that project from day one you know imagine the value that that then accrues as as the film mm -hmm. does well and, and you see that character coming to life so um yeah I, I honestly think that there are many many ways in which um, nfts can really support film mm -hmm. and, and vice versa yeah, and it's, it's just so interesting how it's going to I mean, the, the term metaverse gets tossed around, which makes me think of these like 3D environments and people are snatching up land and creating environments. They saw a meme. <laughs> Seinfeld's really, Seinfeld memes are really popular right now because I think it, because it's on Netflix. Um, and there was one where it was like a 3D version of Walmart. And then Jerry was like, what's going on? And then it was a shot of Kramer and he goes, it's the, the 3D, it's the metaverse Walmart, Jerry. Um, just to go on a tangent there, but just talking about these these worlds and the metaverse and 3D spaces, do you think that will make film festivals obsolete in the future? No, I don't. I think I think they'll go hand in hand. Um, I think I think in the same way that virtual concert concerts won't ever make real concerts mm -hmm. obsolete, virtual festival <laughs> can't speak. Virtual festivals won't ever make uh, real festivals obsolete. I think there's there's room for for everything. I think it's just a different way of uh, people coming together and experiencing these things. Um, in the same way that Netflix hasn't made cinemas obsolete, I don't think. I mean, I, I, I sort of hesitated because obviously mm -hmm. the pandemic hasn't helped in terms of people being able to go to theaters and cinemas. But I think there's there's space for everything. There's there's so much. Um, there's so much to be said from going to a live theater show or going to the cinema and having that experience. And there's something to be said for, for being able to sit at home in your pajamas and, and watch your favorite films, mm -hmm. some popcorn or something. It's, it's just a different experience of, of the same industry. So yeah, I think there's plenty. Yeah, of I agree. Um, and I would definitely, I, we were talking about this on the last podcast. We haven't released it yet, but we were talking with um, Tom Sims and Stefan Prosky, some people involved, um, with the formerly the Cape May Film Festival in New Jersey. Now it's called, uh, it's gonna be called the Exit Zero Media Fest. We were talking about VR and uh, 3D film festivals and you know, are they going to make film festivals obsolete? And we, we kind of came to this consensus that there are enough people out there who want to see cinema on in the way it should be displayed on a big screen in a theater with other people. Um, that experience isn't gonna go away. Like there's, there are enough people out there who are not um 
buying into the whole i want to stay in my house all day with a vr headset you know some people worry it's going to be like surrogates like the movie with bruce willis that's what i always bring up when i I talk about my concerns with it but um yeah i think there are enough people out there who who still like that experience of going to the theater um and i think it's going to be sustainable as we go forward i think so too and i was just going to say that i think especially after the pandemic people are wanting to have that Mm -hmm. that in real life experience and I know for me, that's just on a personal note, something that I'm I'm dreaming of being able to do is actually just just go to mm-hmm. the cinema and go to a theatre show and and be there in real life. So um, yeah, I, I don't I definitely don't think it's an either or. And as from a filmmaker's perspective as well, my ambition is that the the film will actually be screened in a metaverse in our own sort of um digital Mm -hmm. property that we want to buy is like a rooftop bar and a place for our community to hang out that there'll be that digital showing yeah i I think it's i think it could be really really amazing and a special way to bring the community together in a digital way that isn't just oh let's let's Mm -hmm. watch this collectively on netflix at the same time it's it's actually the next best thing um but then to also have a a real showing and and a real premiere as well and i i think um yeah i think a lot of people will see the value in both yeah, I think that's great that you're integrating the real showing too. Um, the world word real is interesting. It's like not the digital one isn't fake. It's still a real experience. It's mm. just it's different. Um, but I think it's cool that you're yeah. you're still embracing both. Um, and I guess that leads into a question I have for you um, for our community, independent filmmakers who are interested in NFTs and digital projects. Um, what advice would you have for kind of integrating that real world, you know, film? classic experience with kind of a new digital project yeah that's a really good question um i think i think really it's a case of figuring out the the fundamental values and once you know that once you know what your community wants and once you know what the values of the film are then it's sort of a carte blanche and a and a blank canvas for for deciding how and and why different platforms can be used to bring those things to life and to provide value because that's ultimately what any business regardless of the industry is aiming to do is provide value to the right people so i think if you've got those down to a t um you can then just sort of play around with well what could we do digitally you know how how can we bring that value to these people in a digital way and same with the quote in real life elements as well um and i think just in terms of very practical advice i think we have the internet to, to, to research and Google. It sounds a bit of a cop-out answer, but it's, it's genuinely the advice that I would give because we can find out what other projects are doing yeah. and we can sort of cherry pick from those in terms of, oh, I see that, that that NFT collection is doing that or that filmmaker is doing that. Oh, I actually quite like the idea of marrying those two ideas. Mm-hmm. Let's have a play around with that. So I think step one is is just make sure you've got the, the values and fundamentals down. And then step two, I think, have fun and, and research and, and experiment with ideas. Yeah, I think having fun is a big part of it, too. Um, aside from running the film fund, I have another production company, TAV Films, and we're releasing a short film called The Toms. And just to plug it for a minute, uh, the flag line is, in a world run by Toms, a man named Tim tries to infiltrate their secret society. Um, because he feels that his name is close enough. You know, one of the lines from the film is, oh, come on, it's only one letter off. He's trying to get in the club. But so I'm doing an NFT project. I'm doing it for fun. Um, If it makes money and helps me get some money back on film, that'd be amazing. But um, I think it's fun because the initial idea was to do one of those 10,000 item collections where 9,999 of the NFTs are 
um, Tom's and there's one unique Tim that's different from all of them. So I tried to integrate it with the story and I just think it's fun. Um, I'm doing it kind of as a hobby. So I think a big, people always get caught up on how am I going to make money on this? What's the ROI? Um, and with short films, there generally is no ROI. And I think, um, I think NFTs might be changing that, but I think it's important. I mean, I get DMs every day from these, what I call cash app NFT projects. So they just DM me like, hey, buy my NFT collection. And they're clearly bots and they're trying to scale up and just get quick money. But end of my rant, I'm just saying uh, <laughs> have fun is a big part of it. Because if there's no fun, there's really, there's no passion there. And your audience is going to see through that. They're going to say, oh, they're just doing this NFT project to make money. And if you're not having fun with it, then um, it's not going to be genuine, I don't think. Oh, yeah, I completely agree. And, and I think, I think A, as you rightfully say, people can see through that. And I think B, sustainability is a huge factor in this because the market already is, is so mm. saturated with different projects. And, and sometimes, sometimes I think initially you can have a case of whoever screams the loudest or whoever has the most bots to share their work mm. and market their project wins in the short term but i think long term if you've got that sustainability and you've got that passion um and it has utility because it's part of something bigger you know like a film like a short film then i think eventually even if it isn't a, an immediate you know huge money maker in the short term um as you say it's a it's not just about the money but i think i think long term those projects will die out anyway the ones that are mostly you know bot heavy and, and and just trying to turn a quick buck and um i think that's where nfts will really show their value is when they are integrated in a very um foundational way and they're being led by a team who are passionate about what those nfts represent above and beyond just trying to make mm -hmm. some money yeah, on 100 agree and i think you put that um very eloquently um in terms of the film fund, um, you found us, I guess you were looking for resources for developing your project. What are some of your favorite things uh, about the film fund? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I love the support that you have to help people actually apply for, a, a, you know, funding. Um, I thought the examples there are really good. I, I like the, the range of um, uh, support that you have on, on the team page and you clearly have a a team of people and, and uh, judges who are from very varied backgrounds. And I think um, knowing that you can apply for feedback from those people is, is that provides a lot of value in itself, regardless of, of whether you, you know, um, mm -hmm. get awarded the fund or not. Um, and I really do like the fact that it's just one sentence because as you say, it, it, it just allows you to sort of hone the elevator pitch, I suppose, for whatever you're working on. And, as I think I sent to you in my email, it, it, it literally took me all weekend <laughs> to figure out one sentence because I was just like rewording it, mm -hmm. checking the, the character count, making sure it fit the, the specifications. Um, but in the process of doing so, it really, really sort of allowed me to question the, the way in which I communicate what I'm doing and, and sort of shave mm -hmm. off the, the excess and, and get to the, the core um, foundations with it. So yeah, I, I think just the accessibility and, um, the fact that it, it can obviously help people get their projects off the ground and it's not just open to people that are established filmmakers or have that under their belt because often it's the people who are just starting out who haven't got those credentials that do need the most support. So yeah, I think all those things, I think it's, it's absolutely amazing. You are a better spokesperson for the film fund than I am. I might have to <laughs> <laughs> I 
commission you for that. That was amazing. Uh, yeah, I mean, Anytime. I think you make some amazing points there. Um, and I always go back to our first winner when I first started the contest, Tim Viola. He, we did an interview with him, and he said um, it really helped them sharpen their log line. Like he, it helped them fi really find out what the story uh, he was trying to tell is about. Because um, before the film fund, it was kind of, he wasn't sure what to focus on. And getting into one sentence, it sounds really easy. He's like, oh, I can write one sentence. It's easy. But yeah. it's also really hard. Um, you have people, so some filmmakers, there are different approaches. Like one guy, um, I can't remember which winner it was, but he, he emailed me back and he goes, oh, uh, I submitted a bunch of entries. Which, <laughs> which one was that? I can't remember. Um, so you have people who just write them in the entry form really quickly and they come up with stories. And then you have people who spend all weekend uh, on them. And you know, it really depends on the person and how their, how their mind works. But um, it's, I think it's, it's a simple idea and it's difficult to execute successfully. Um, but the big thing is that it's available to everyone um, and filmmakers who are just starting out. And that's why I like NFT projects too with the film because I think that's going to help the same audience. Um, I mean, yeah, you have the celebrity factor of people like Tarantino selling NFTs right now and they're going to get eyes and their projects are going to be incredibly successful and we've seen that. But I think there's also time for community building, like you said, and filmmakers can begin to market themselves and create a digital presence for themselves and get their work out there. Um, even if they are a, a you know, quote unquote, nobody to start out, um, they're nobody mm -hmm. to some people, but to the people in the community they're building, they're going to be somebody. And I think that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think um, at the end of the day, even the, the Tarantinos of the world at some point were quote, nobody. Mm -hmm. and, and I think what's exciting about NFTs with regards to the community aspect is imagine if Tarantino had brought out his NFT collection when he was first starting to, to make films and the people that believed in him slash the project that he was working on, you know, wanted to be a part of that, wanted to invest in it, wanted to have some kind of stake in it and support it. And so they buy one or three of the NFTs. Imagine how much that would be worth mm -hmm. today and not just in monetary value, but in terms of I own an original Tarantino mm -hmm. NFT from 10, 20 years ago. Yeah, that's ago. a great point. Um, so I think it, it opens a door to people having a direct involvement with with projects and people that they want to get behind and support. And I, I think that's that's something that we've not really seen before. And I think it's different as well from just sort of being part of a crowdfund campaign or something like that. It actually feels like you're part of that business. You're investing directly into that mm -hmm. project and you're getting something back from it, which you can then keep an eye on from your phone and see what the value is, see what the you know, the floor prices, see if people are talking about it on social media. And even if they're not, you don't know what's going to happen next month, next year. And I think I think there's a real buzz and excitement around that. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I share the same sort of uh, enthusiasm mm -hmm. and excitement about NFTs as you do. And, and I, I think you're right. I think it's about having fun with it and just um, enjoying the process of, of, mm -hmm. of making them. Yeah, definitely have to enjoy the process. Um, if you don't enjoy the process, you're just going to be miserable. <laughs> I think, and that just goes for yeah, for life. 100%. Uh, so, what's next for you? I mean, we're talking a lot mm -hmm. about your NFT projects, your music. Um, what's what's the the next thing that's most exciting for you? Yeah, so the next step is actually building. Well, I say next step. Next steps uh, in in tandem with one another is is building the Cassette Monkeys community. Um, apologies for that. If you could hear that, um, and really starting to launch the nft collection um we're actually going to do it in a very organic way so there's going to be zero public sale of of the 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 nfts um and instead it will be a case of 
of building the community organically and rewarding the people who are part of that community who want to be part of the film. That's um, okay. I do apologize. Um, <laughs> um, I'm going to try and. Uh, yeah, it's actually my partner's computer. Oh, so no. I don't know how to no turn worries. that off. <laughs> so I will just leave it there for now. Um, and. It's all good. Yeah, when I first started doing the podcast, I I didn't have my notifications off, and it's like no one texts me. And then all of a sudden, when you don't want anyone to text you, you get like ten texts and notifications. (laughs) I've been on the computer all today, and this hasn't happened once. So if it pops up again, I think there's a little thing to to turn it off. So we'll just see. Um, It's going to happen as soon as I start talking again. Now, isn't it? Um, So what was I saying? Next steps. Uh, Yeah. So. Cassette Monkeys. So with Cassette Monkeys, our NFTs will kind of act as a reward system for people getting involved with the film and helping build the community around that. Um, so, you know, if somebody helps in one way or another, we will then reward them with either a whitelisting spot or an NFT directly. And what's a whitelisting spot? Involvement. Um, so apologies. So a whitelisting spot is when you basically have the the ability to buy the NFT reserved for you. So if you've got a really popular project and you you say have 50,000 people in the in the, the discord or the, any platform waiting to buy if you're whitelisted you get guaranteed gotcha. a chance to buy it whereas if you're not whitelisted they they might just sell out before you can actually uh, get your hands on one so um it's sort of being able to have the exclusive access to mm-hmm. to that nft collection um so yeah so building that um as well as just planning for the film, sort of doing the next two years and and uh, the, the the schedule for that, figuring out when production um, should hopefully take place. Um, and then working on the music, um, working on the next track. I'm just about to release the, the second track that I wrote for the film on Spotify. Um, and then we'll get to work on producing the, the third track. So yeah, juggling those, those three things mainly at the moment, as Very well cool. as recovery. I'm just focusing on that. Sure, sure. <laughs> Uh, and I saw on Instagram that you recently had a song play on a radio station. Yeah, on uh, on BBC uh, introducing in in Wales. That's so, so cool. Yes. So a really big, <laughs> really big radio network. That's so cool. Yeah, uh, I was quite surprised. Yeah. That's awesome. What was what's the name of that track? Uh, that one's called Luck. Okay, is that one uh, related to the film, or is that a separate uh, project? Yeah. No, that will be part of the Oh, there's part of the film. The, oh, that's film. so, so cool. Yeah. So we can relate it to the podcast, and it's not just something random I brought up. Great. Yeah. Um, no, no. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Well, Emma, I want to thank right. you so much for making the time and appearing on the show. I had a great conversation with you. Um, can we plug your social media channels or your website or your Spotify, whatever you want to promote? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's simply at M Jade Hames. That's E-M and then Jade, J-A-D-E, Hames, H-A-M-E-S, so M Jade Hames. Cool. And that's uh, Instagram or... Yeah, sorry, Instagram, Twitter. Um, I think on I think it might be a Facebook page, just Emma Hames. Um, but I mainly use Twins, uh, okay. Twitter and Instagram. Very cool. And then Spotify, just search for Emma Hames. That's correct, cool. Yeah. Easy enough. Thanks everyone for listening. I want to remind you that the spring, not spring, I'm looking at an old script. Winter, uh, t- we'll call it 2022 narrative and documentary contests are open for entries. And check that out at thefilmfund.co to submit. And if you're looking at our social channels, they're at the Film Fund on Instagram, Simply Film Fund on Twitter, Film Fund Co. on Facebook. We have a LinkedIn. I don't know too many filmmakers who actually like using LinkedIn, but go check us out there. Uh, We have awesome prizes for this contest, up to $10,000 in digital cash. You'll get paid via PayPal, likely, unless you want to check in the mail. Uh, We have some sponsors like Expressway Cinema Rentals, who are sponsoring a two-day camera 
rental a black magic ursa mini g2 and lens set from ari so check all that those details out in our email newsletter which you can sign up for at the website and check the website at the filmfund.co for the most up-to-date information we also have a blog which we recently changed the strategy on uh used to be very educational how to write a uh, screenplay how to get a project off the ground how to get funding we kind of did that content to death so we we kind of not archived but we changed that repository to something called the film fund learn so go to the filmfund.co slash learn see all those educational resources on how to make a film how to get your project off the ground and the blog now is at blog.filmfund.co where you can see news about nft projects and web3 and the metaverse we're doing a lot of content on vr right now because i think that's kind of where the future is and that's what people want to see uh in film online right now so we're getting ahead of it and giving background on those really exciting projects like Emma's. We also have an ebook on our resources page, filmfund.co slash resources, the ultimate guide to pre-production. Check that out. We have merch if you want a cool hat. Check that out as well. All right, enough enough plugging, enough advertising. Emma, thank you so much. Uh, do you have anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up? No, I think that's it. I just I want to say thank you uh, for inviting me onto the podcast and I'm super stoked to see um, all the upcoming news and events, uh, both with the Film Fund and your your own film and NFT collection. And yeah, I think 2022 is going to be a, a great year um, for what you're doing. And, and yeah, just look forward to seeing that. So thank you. Awesome. Again. Thank you. And I want to remind listeners that these episodes are published almost every Friday. I say every Friday and then something happens with scheduling. We're going to say almost every Friday. So tune in Fridays to see if we post. Thank you.